Amen. You sound like you really believe that. Amen. That's great. We've been starting a new series at the beginning of the year. It's a brand new year. It's the same old you. And the theme of the series is this, that we're looking at areas of our life, challenges of our life that we've kind of been putting up with, we've been tolerating that are not really good for us or not good for our relationships, not good for our walk with God, that we've been kind of stuck in and we don't want to bring them into a new year. We want to leave them back in 2010 and start the year out fresh. So we've looked at a number of studies. Today we're going to look at same old lukewarm love. Same old lukewarm love. You know, love is a major consideration in the Bible. It's listed in 505 verses in the Bible. And in many of those verses, it's listed multiple times. The Bible says a lot about love. It talks about God's love for man. In Psalm 36.5, your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. Your faithfulness to the skies. In other words, God's love is unending. In Psalm, or 1 John 3.1, it says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. God's desire and God's practice is to lavish love on us so much that he has made it and given us an opportunity to be adopted into his family and to literally be his sons and daughters. The most quoted verse in all the Bible, John 3.16, tells us that even our eternal forgiveness is an act of love by God. It's not something that he demands that we perform some service for. It's, he doesn't wait till we get our act cleaned up. But the Bible simply says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever shall believe in him will not perish but have everlasting life. I wonder if you've ever availed yourself of God's love. Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ for your Savior? Are you still trying to live your life on your own and trying to hope that somehow you're going to be a good enough person to work your way to heaven? Well, if, if that was the way that we got to heaven, God never needed to send Jesus. Jesus came because we can't work our way to heaven. And Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice of our sin. And the only way we can go to heaven is by transferring our confidence off of ourselves onto Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I trust you. I believe that you have done everything that is required for the forgiveness of my sins. And God has given you alone the authority because you were willing to die on the cross to pay my sin debt. And so, Jesus, I trust you as my Savior, not myself, not anything else. Jesus, I trust you. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And that gift is characterized by love. The Bible goes on to say in, in Proverbs 21, 21, he who pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. In other words, the key to all the things that we're looking for and all the things that often we're breaking our necks trying to achieve for ourselves, the key is to live a righteous life and a life that is characterized by love. Now, here's one of my favorite ones. <clears throat> Proverbs 15, 17, better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a fattened calf with hatred. I really like that. In other words, Better to eat a bland meal of vegetables than a big old steak. Better to eat the vegetables if you're in an environment of love and compassion than to eat a big old steak and everyone around here is in conflict and, and hate and discourse. Jesus said it this way, very succinctly, John 15, 17. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus made it simple. He said, this is it. Love each other. The Bible says that parents, we're supposed to love our children. Husbands and wives, we're supposed to love each other. Here in the church, we're supposed to love each other as the church of Christ. 
We're even supposed to love our enemies, Jesus said. Love is key. And it's important to us individually, not just collectively. In fact, look what 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1-3 through 3 says. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, the Bible says I'm nothing. It says, if I give all I possess to the poor and surrender even my body to the flames, if I become a martyr for the cause of Christ, but have not love, the Bible says I gain nothing. That's how important love is. Are you going to carry the same old lukewarm love that has been characterizing many of your relationships And for many of us, the most important relationships that we're in. Are you going to carry that lukewarm experience, that unfulfilling experience, into yet another year? Now, right now, you might be saying, you know, I'm going to listen to this one because already the Lord is speaking to me. And I, I know that I've got some relationships that aren't where I want them to be and aren't where they should be. And so I'm motivated this. Well, even if you are, be careful because love can be tricky. Oh yeah, definitely broken. (laughs) You know how I can tell? There should be a bathroom right here. (laughs) You know, it's got to be hard on Robert being so gigantic. When he was a kid, he wasn't allowed to pet the cat. (laughs) Come on. He couldn't pet the cat. You're not okay. You're not. I'm fine, Ray. See, I would have believed you if you didn't add the Ray. (laughs) Look, do you mind? I have to pack. I'm leaving with the Mets tomorrow. Yeah, go ahead. It's my brother, right? No, it's... It's my father. Yes, he's really annoying. No, it's not... It's my mom, right? Yeah, yeah, she broke our knife. Let's kill her. (laughs) Come on, you're always saying we don't do things together. (laughs) We'll kill her, and then a movie. I don't know. I don't know what I did. I'm usually good at knowing when it's me. Because it's usually me. Ray, how come you can never just be affectionate with me? Oh, Bernie! Did you see how Bernie is with Linda? I see. Everybody sees that. It's free Playboy channel. There's nothing wrong. With it once in a while. He was drinking. Passionate. They're drunks. Both of them. Look. Look, they've only been married for, what, two years? Yeah. So there's no kids, no exhaustion, just wait. Wait for what? For this. (laughs) The noise and the no sleep and the no time. Please know what I mean here. You never even say I love you. Oh, now I don't love you. You don't say it. I do. No, you don't. I do. When do you say it? With my eyes! (laughs) What are you doing? I'm drowning. (laughs) Look, you want me to say it? I love you. There, I said it. Oh, yeah, okay. There's the seven little words every woman wants to hear. I love you. There, I said it. Hey, come on, don't I say it when we... Oh, yelling it during sex doesn't count. (laughs) 
I don't know what you want. I don't know. Well... What? I don't know. Just... Well, I... It doesn't matter. Just... Good night. Um... I'm still packing over here. <laughs> Lukewarm love. And we laugh at it, but honestly, it characterizes a lot of our relationships a lot of the time. We find ourselves exactly there, a disconnect. Someone not feeling love, the other person thinking, well, I show you love all the time. Wonder if you're disconnected. Now here's the thing, right now, you might be motivated again to, to say, okay, I'm going to do something about this. I'm going to listen to your pastor today. But I want you to really be careful because even when we try to engage, the signals can get crossed. Okay, hey, come on. Eat your breakfast here, guys. Mama, I'm ready for my dessert. Dessert? Now, Allie, I'm sorry, but breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Now, finish your Count Chocula. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Hey, guys. Here, this is for you. What is this? A card? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got up early to get it for you. Why? No, because of what we, you know. Special wife. <laughs> Love like ours is real and true as a lily holds the morning dew. Every day finds joy anew, and in every way do I love you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet, right? Yeah. Yeah, I just love it. It's... It's a really nice card. Oh, something's wrong. What? It's not enough. Oh, I should have got the pop-up. Maybe you just, you didn't understand what I meant. Oh, you still want the talking. Look, this is better than talking. This is writing. Uh-huh. You couldn't even sign it, love Ray. You sign it, okay, Ray. <laughs> Love is tricky. It really is. And that's why so often we can find ourselves stuck in these ruts of lukewarm love. The thing's just not happening. It's not that we don't love each other anymore. There, there's love there. There's a basis there. But it's just not working. There's a disconnect. Now, there's a lot of things that we can talk about love today. But in the time that we have left, and I'm going to have to hurry, so you're going to have, if you're taking notes, you're going to have to get ready to go quick. But in the time that we have left, I want to share with you some very practical ways that you can change this in your life. I want to challenge you in your relationships, whether it's your marriage or whether it's a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, whether it's a parent-child relationship, whether it's a relationship just among friends, I want to challenge you to learn how to deploy a love language. Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a wonderful resource, and I encourage you to get this. Anyone who's serious about any relationship, get this book. It's called The Five Love Languages. And in that, he identifies that every one of us have a love language. There are a way that we will feel love. There are things that others can do to express their love to us in a way that we'll really feel love. And there are ways that they can do it. It'll just go right over our shoulder. We won't even recognize it.
In fact, he says this. He says, could it be that deep inside hurting couples exists in an invisible emotional love tank with its gauge on empty? Could the misbehavior, the withdrawal, the harsh words, the critical spirit occur because of that empty tank? You know, see, every one of us have a love tank. And if that love tank isn't being replenished, then what happens is that we begin to feel neglected. We begin to feel isolated. We begin to feel unappreciated. And that results in misbehavior. That results in a critical spirit. That results in a bad attitude. That results in withdrawal. He goes on to say, if we could find a way to fill it, could the marriage be reborn? With a full tank, would couples be able to create an emotional climate where it is possible to discuss differences and resolve conflicts? Could that be the key that makes marriage work? Now, not only marriage, but other relationships. And the answer is yes. Very often, this is dramatically portrayed, and people who get this and, and have never heard it and said, love language, I never heard of any such thing. Now, here's where the point of reference that I want you to have as we move on. The issue is not how much you're trying to love. It's not how active you're trying to express your love. It's does the other person feel love? Are you replenishing that person's love tank? That's the issue. And understand that as we look at these five love languages, you are going to resonate possibly with one or two, and the other ones are just going to float right over your back. You're going to think, that's not anything. Well, that's no big deal, because it's not a big deal to you. But God has hardwired other people to where that particular manifestation of an expression of love is everything to them. And it literally has the power to make the relationship or break the relationship. So what are these love languages? How can you build better relationships? The first one is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. The Bible says this in Proverbs 18.21. The tongue has the power of life and death. It really does, doesn't it? I mean, we can get in some fights and we can rip each other apart with our tongue. And, and boy, I think things aren't right for days. And, and sometimes if it goes on frequent enough, it's never right again. Our tongue can, can have the opposite effect. We can be a very loving presence and a very affirming presence. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 12:25, an anxious heart weighs a man down, but a kind word cheers him up. And we know that's true. Encouraging words are good to hear, and everybody likes an encouraging word. Everybody needs an encouraging word. But listen, if a person's primary love language is words of affirmation, you can multiply this general principle by about a thousand. And if they're not getting the words of affirmation then their love tank isn't being filled. Now, what are those words? They can be encouraging words. You know, things like a husband might say to his wife, you know, you really marvel me. I'm amazed at your ability to multitask. I mean, you have a full-time job and you work and, and then you come home and, and, and you manage the kids so well and, and you manage the house so well and, and you, you just really are amazing. I can't tell you how much I appreciate everything you do. Now, you've got to be sincere about this too, by the way. I can't, I can't tell you. Or a, a spouse may say, you know, uh, the wife may say to a husband, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. When the, the other night when you took the kids and you gave them their bath and you read them a bedtime story and, and you put them to sleep and, and just gave me a few minutes just to kind of crash on the chair and, and chill out in front of the TV a little bit. I can't tell you how much I appreciated that and how important that was to me. See, words of affirmation, just words of encouragement. Then they're kind. They're delivered in a kind way. 
It's not only important that we, we have things that are true about the other person and observations that we make to encourage them, affirm them, but we have to say it kindly. It's not, you know, for a fat old hag, you're just a good wife, you know? <laughs> or, honey, you're really a jerk, but I tell you, you keep my car running. No, there's no kindness in that. And that's not putting deposits in the love tank of a person whose primary love language is words of affirmation. Then there's humble words. That's the way that we deliver it. You know, there's a big difference in looking at somebody and saying, I really love you. And love you. Huge difference. See, it all has to be genuine. And a person whose primary love language is words of affirmation, if they know it's not genuine, they're going to pick you apart. It's not going to have the effect. You can't do it artificially. It has to be sincerely. It's got to be encouraging. It's got to be honest encouragement. It needs to be delivered with kind words and with a sincere, humble attitude. Love makes requests, not demands of each other. Now, if you know someone that you suspect words of affirmation is their primary love language, here's some things you can do. Uh, number one, if it's someone real close, like a spouse or a child, take a three-by-five card and write three times on it. Words are important. Words are important. Words are important. And keep that to where you're looking at it frequently. Put it on the, on the mirror of your, your, uh, the dash of your car so you're driving home. You're saying, words are important. you got to remember, when I get home, words are important. Well, I say, the way I say them, the way, the way I deliver them, it's all important. I want to do a good job. Just to remind yourself. Another thing is you can look for the other person's strength and tell him how much you appreciate them. Take a time and just kind of sit down with a pencil and paper and think about your spouse or think about your child or think about your best friend. And write some things down that you really appreciate, some strengths in them, so that you have some honest feedback. And it's not something that you have to just kind of think up on your feet. You've given it some thought. You've given it some preparation. And now you're prepared to offer some sincere, genuine words of affirmation that they'll receive as genuine because they know that's true about themselves. You can compliment the other person in public, especially in front of people who are important to them. This is, a, this is like a quick fill up of the lug tank in front of a parent, in front of a boss, in front of friends that, that the other person really values for you to compliment them. That's just filling up their love tank. And when you fill up their love tank, you will be amazed at the difference in their behavior. Another one is quality time. And both of these words are equally important. Quality and time. Quality time. That means focused attention. That means that when, when, when you're carving out some time with that person, you're focused on them. One of Stella's love languages is quality time. And, and I can't tell you how many times we've played out this little picture on the screen here. Guy with the remote and he's going through and, and, and the wife sitting next to him just kind of looking off bored at the side and disgusted. See, you know, quality time's not, yeah, I'm listening to you, babe, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, oh man, that's horrible. Yeah, okay, you know. That's not quality. That's, that's not quality time. You're not focused. And remember, now quality time might not mean a thing to you. It's not important to you because it's not your love language. But to the other, this person whose love language is quality time, it's everything. And so if you know that's their love language, you need to focus in. You need to not multitask. You need to turn off other things that will distract you and just sit down and look them in the eyeball and spend some quality focused attention with them. It's also a quality conversation. If you know that your spouse, and maybe this is the husband in this relationship, and quality time is really one of the primary love languages, 
And you say, you know, let's go spend some time together. Let's, I, I already got a sitter. Come home tonight and we're going to go out and we're just going to spend some time together. And you go to a coffee shop and you sit down and all you do is you start talking about negative things. You know, oh, we got a problem in school. The teacher called. Johnny's in trouble, and I don't know what we're going to do. You know, we got to come up with a plan. You know, or oh man, have you seen the checkbook lately? You know, the lights turned off. I had to go down to FPL, and I had had to pay the bill. And all. that's not quality conversation. See, and that's what we tend to do. Even when we do carve out time to be with each other, what happens in those situations? is not only are you not making deposits into that person's love tank, you have just put a siphon hose into the tank and you're pulling out of their love tank. Another thing is quality activities. Another mistake that we often make with someone who has, whose primary love language is quality time is we do carve out time, but then we try to impose upon them what we would like to do rather than doing what they want to do. Again, yeah, yeah, we got sitter, we're all ready to go, let's go. Honey, I took care of you, now I'm going to take you out, I'm going to take you on a date. I went ahead and got the sitter, everything's all taken care of, I bought the pizza on the way home, they're taking care of you and I are going out. Where are we going, honey? The drag races. <laughs> Again, just stick a siphon down into the tank and just, just start pumping the love out. It's got to be Quality. It's getting out of our comfort zone. Like guys, if your wife loves the ballet, a great way to express quality time is go to the ballet. You go, oh man, I I'd rather be tortured. <laughs> but that demonstrates real commitment. That demonstrates real sacrifice. That's exactly the kind of thing. And get there, and instead of falling asleep and just enduring it and going, wake me up when it's over. Just say, you know, I don't understand. What's, tell me what just went on. What's that represent? Because they're into it, and they'll tell you all about it, and you're, now you're engaged in quality conversation. Your focus, attention. Whoo, that love tank is getting filled. Here's some things you can do. Ask your spouse, your friend, for a list of activities that he or she would enjoy doing with you. Things they would like to do. And then focus on doing those things. Make time to share with each other every day the things of the day in a positive way. Don't comment on them. They come home and say, this is what happened in the office. Well, you're an idiot. Here's what you should have said. Here's what you should have done. Now, that's, again, that's not quality time. Host nostalgia nights. You know, it's fun. Just kind of rehearse your whole relationship. Go back. Do you remember the, 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 the our first date? Now, guys, you probably don't, but I guarantee she does. She remembers the first date. She remembers what she was wearing. She remembers where you went. She remembers how late you were. She remembers it all. But just kind of rehearse things. Again, focused. Nothing else going around. Quality time. Camp out in the living room. Do some creative things. But just the idea is spending time together that is focused, that is not problem conversation, but interesting conversation that shows an interest in the other person. It's activities that gets us out of our comfort zone into their world. And when that happens, oh, you're just pumping love. You're just pumping love into them. Then there's receiving gifts. Now, some people, their primary love language is receiving gifts. Now, I know that seems selfish and materialistic. It, it, it does. But it's really not in their mind and in their experience. Proverbs 18, 16 says, a gift opens a way for the giver and ushers him into the presence of the gate. See, with these kind of people, a gift opens them up. And again, it's not that they're materialistic. 
Chapman says, gifts come in all sizes, colors, and shapes. Some are expensive, others are free. To the individual whose primary love language is receiving gifts, the cost of the gift will matter little unless it is greatly out of line with what you can afford. In other words, it doesn't matter how expensive the gift is. It doesn't matter how majestic the gift is. Now, if you're pulling in $150,000 a year and you're bringing all your gifts home from the dollar store, that's not going to work. <laughs> you're siphoning out the love. But the idea is that also, if, if you're unemployed or if, if you're only you know, you know, drawing a very small salary during these hard times, then you don't have to worry about trying to bring them this lavish gift because that's not going to be what impresses them. In fact, they may get angry because you, you spent money where that you didn't have. But maybe you, you're outside and you see some pretty flowers and you just pick the flowers and come home and say, you know, I saw these beautiful flowers and I just thought of how to, what a beautiful person you are. And here, I want you to have these. Or maybe just take a piece of paper and, and some crayons and, and make a homemade card and just open it up and, and just write some stuff in it. It doesn't have to be poetry. Just, just and say, hey, I made a card for you. Wow. See, it's just pumping love into these people. It's, it's what they resonate on. Receiving gifts of any kind. Now, here's some hints for what you can do. Make a list of all the gifts that your friend or your spouse or whoever it is you're, you're, you're trying to, to improve a relationship with have expressed excitement over that they've received in the past. Maybe their past birthday, Christmas, whatever, and gifts that really excited them. That will give you insight into the kind of gifts to buy them because those are the kind of things that tweak them. Those are the kind of things they really like. Discover the value of handmade originals. Again, handmade originals are great when you're giving something that you took the time to create yourself. That is communicating great love and affection towards that person. That's how they'll receive it. Uh, keep a gift idea notebook. Keep a little notebook in your pocket. And whenever you're kind of around the store and you see something, you say, hey, you know, I'll bet you Bill would really like that. Or, you know, I bet you, I bet you uh, Letitia would really like that. And just keep a list and, and build yourself a list. That way, when it comes to a time when you're thinking, you know, I haven't given a gift lately. I need to, I, I want to make a deposit in, in, in this person's love tank. Then you don't have to be thinking, now what in the world can I do? You already have a list that you can start tapping into. Try a parade of gifts. You know, one of the greatest Christmas we ever had, I ever had with Stella, was a Christmas when I celebrated with her the 12 weeks of Christmas. And beginning 12 weeks before Christmas, I put a basket out in a prominent place in the house that was, had 12 gifts wrapped. And each week she could go over and pick one of those gifts and open the gift. I'll tell you, it was really fun. And it was exciting. And it was just really a, a, a gesture of pumping love into Stella because that took thought. I mean, you had to think about that. You couldn't do it the night before Christmas. Those kind of things. To people where gift giving, gift receiving is important, that will fill their love tank. Now, don't forget the gift of yourself. Look what Chapman says also. He says, physical presence in the time of crisis is the most powerful gift you can give if your spouse or friend's primary gift is receiving gifts. Your presence becomes the symbol of your love. Now, let me share when I didn't do it right. There was a time I was a youth pastor. This was many years ago. Youth pastor, we were living in Michigan. It was a snowy day. 
I believe it was a Saturday, and I invited one of the guys from our youth group over, and, and I had got this Mattel and television. It was, a, it was the rival of Atari in those days, one of the first video game systems. Some of you remember it. If you're young enough, you've never heard of it. But anyhow, it was like one of the first video game things. <clears throat> and we were sitting there playing video games, but Stella wasn't feeling too well that day. And so we're in the living room in front of the TV, and we're going at it, and she's laying on the couch in back of us. And, and I didn't know, and found out later, she had double pneumonia. And so she's sitting there, and as she's suffering and coughing and got a fever and everything else, I'm playing video games, I'm looking over my shoulder and saying, hey, baby, you doing okay? All right, good. Yeah, yeah. Hey, can you fix us some sandwiches? Yeah. Out of the love tank. See, especially in times of crisis, the most important gift that you can give is your attention. Your attention, your presence being there. Sacrificing where you would like to be and being on target with them. Acts of service is another important one. Acts of service. The Bible says in Philippians 2.4, Each of you should not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is key in relationships because we often get focused on what we want. But acts of service... Are, are simple. They're just doing whatever the other person would want you to do for them. For some men, it's having their shirts ironed and pressed and, and just hanging in the closet ready to go so that they don't have to rummage through the, the, the clothes hamper and iron a shirt on the way out the door to work. For some ladies, it's, it's where their husband will, will take out the trash regularly without having to be told to and will do the yard work and, and not have to be nagged about it. And, and those are just acts of service. It can be a hundred things. It can be preparing a favorite meal. It can be repairing or washing the car. It can be doing but anything that they think is important, that helps them. As we do these acts of service, we're making deposits into their love tank. Again, Ask for a list of 10 things that this special friend or your spouse would like you to do for him or her in the next month. Then ask them to prioritize that list. Say, okay, which one's number one? Which one's number two? Which number's three? Now you've got a list. Now you can start to put deposits into that person's love tank. And you can do it in the priority that would really make them feel special. And again, whether you want to do the activity or not is not the issue. The issue is not how it makes you feel or how inconvenient it is for you. The issue is that you are making an effort to make deposits into that person's love tank. And that's how they're going to receive it. And you watch how their attitude changes towards you. You watch how their behavior changes towards you. Nag the t or tag the nag. Say, what do I mean by tag the nag? Well, what have they been nagging you to do? Whether it's a friend or whether it's a spouse or whether it's a child. What have they been nagging saying, come on, you know, I've asked you three times. I've been talking to you about this for four months now. I've been talking to you about this for three days. You know, and, and they keep bringing this up and bringing this up and bringing this up. Well, one of the ways that you can tap into their love tank is by doing that thing. And you will make a huge deposit. While you're a spouse's way, if you're married and you have kids, get, get the family together. And do some kind of special service project for that person so that when they come home, and it's a gift. It's a surprise. Again, now you might be sitting there saying, this is crazy. I don't care. But that's because you're not wired the way they are. Physical touch. Powerful. The fifth love language. In times of crisis, in times of human trauma, 
the most instinctful thing for people to do is what? To hug each other. It's just what we do. Whether it's a death, someone in the family, we get together, and the first thing we're going to do is we're just going to hug each other. And Sometimes we'll just cry and, and just hold each other. In the event of some kind of a terrorist attack or something like that, like happened in Tucson, I'm sure if you would have been at that scene, you would have seen people hugging everywhere. Why? Because that physical touch, that hug, is a powerful communicator of love. Now, again, that is natural human instinct. But if a person's primary love language is physical touch, multiply that natural instinct by 10,000. That's how important physical touch is to them. Again, Gary Chapman says, physical touch can make or break a relationship. It can communicate love or hate. To the person whose primary love language is physical touch, the message will be far louder than the words, I hate you or I love you. In other words, you can be saying I love you through gifts of uh, uh, giving gifts, or you can be saying I love you through acts of service. You can be saying love you with words of affirmation. But if you're not saying I love you with physical touch, their tank is empty. No matter how hard you've been working, no matter how hard you've been trying, it's not their language. The same way, if you withhold that physical touch from them, it is more devastating to them emotionally than you to say, I hate you. Imagine that. You would get a more favorable response from them if you just said, I hate you, than for over a prolonged period of time, you not to touch them. Song of Solomon says, Chapter 2, verse 5 and 6, Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. This person is saying, I am faint with love. Give me something to eat. I'm going to pass out here. Why? Look what it goes on to say. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Why is this love, this deep love there? Because this person's love language is physical touch. Now, a lot of guys will see this love language and immediately say, that's me, that's me, hon, write this one down. That's me, physical touch. That's me. <laughs> now, don't confuse sexual desire with the love language of physical touch. They're not the same. Now, ultimately, it can lead to that, and that may be one of the, 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 most, uh, the highest peak of expressing that love to someone with physical touch, but that's not it. Guys, that's where we want to start. But oftentimes, it's only our physiological need. You know, God hardwired men. It's just the way we are. To be, have a very strong sexual desire. That's because he said replenish the earth. And it was up to ladies, that wouldn't happen. That's a joke. Physical touch is not sex. Physical touch is just coming up when that person's sitting down, a friend, a spouse, a child, rubbing the shoulders, rubbing the back, just kind of holding the head, giving a scalp massage, just a hug. 
holding hands, walking into the mall, sitting next to each other close instead of on separate chairs, sitting next to each other, cuddling up, watching TV together. Those are all acts and deposits of physical love. Critical, critical in the life of someone who's hardwired by God to this be their primary way of receiving love. Now, these are the different love languages. And another thing you've got to be careful to do is you've got to be careful not to love somebody out of your love language. And that's what we often do. My love language might be uh, words of affirmation. And so I'm around all the time telling somebody else, Words of affirmation, encouraging words, kind words, humble words, all that kind of thing. And they're just kind of going, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because that's not their love language. Or giving gifts, you know. Man, giving gifts every day. I brought all these gifts. To, and, and they're just going, oh, that's nice, like Deborah did with the card. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a nice card. Not the love language. So you've got to be careful that you're not loving out of your language. You're loving out of their language. You want them to feel loved. Now, here's something that you can do with what we learned today. Here's a website. Write it down. You can go home today and have some fun. You can go to this website. You can go to our website also, and the link is there, floridabible.org, or go to www.5lovelanguages.com slash assessments slash love. And you can take the love language assessment. You can find out what your love language is. If you're married, do it as a couple. Find out what each other's is. It's really a lot of fun. You'll say, really? I didn't know that about you. And you'll go, now I get it. Now it's making sense. But this isn't just for couples. There's an assessment for single people. There's an assessment for children. There's an assessment for teenagers. There's an assessment for everybody. So this isn't, although we talked a lot about things that would pertain to couples, this is for every relationship that you value. Take the assessment. And then find out with that other person and say, hey, that makes sense. Now I know how I can interact with you better. And then find out what yours is and be honest about that and go tell the significant people in your life, you know what? Look what I, you know what I discovered about myself. My primary language that I receive love in is by words of affirmation or quality time or physical touch. And you help them then to understand how to reach you where you really live, to reach you how you're really wired. And listen, when this happens, and people start to react and relate to each other with sensitivity to the other person's love languages, this literally has transformed and revolutionized thousands of marriages. This is worldwide. By the book, you can go to our website and do that. But remember how important this is to God. The Bible says in John 13, 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, typically, we think of Jesus' words in relationship to the church. And we'll say, yeah, I know what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, yeah, we should love each other in the church and we should have the kind of environment that I hope we have at Florida Bible here where when guests come and they really feel welcome and people are shaking their hands and helping them find their way around and all that kind of thing. And, and they should come in here and not see us in the corners fighting with each other and, and squabbling and all that kind of thing. But it goes beyond that. That is essential. That's important. That's part of the equation. But it's also important how the world sees Christian couples interacting. 
Because we're living in a world where relationships and marriage are falling apart at faster rates than ever before in the history of the United States of America. And people are looking, they're saying, what's going on? And their, whole, their relationship is crumbling around them. And yet, when they see a Christian couple, who's not got a perfect relation, because none of us have that, but a relationship of mutual respect, and, and a relationship of mutual sensitivity, and a relationship where we're trying, and we're humbling ourselves before God, and we're working it out, it gives them hope. That isolated person at school, that isolate person at work who's not up to standards or maybe not up to social standards of, of other people by their own perception, and they're ostracized, and they know we're a Christian. How we treat them, if we treat them the same way everyone else is treating them, they say, there's nothing to this God stuff. I know that person. They, they go to church all the time, and they're no, they're no different than I am. See, it's important to God, and it's important to you. If your life is not characterized by love, you're gaining nothing, you're amounting to nothing, and your love really is like a clanging gong, clashing cymbal, because it's about love. This whole chapter ends, and these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Let's bow our heads. Now this is different today. We've had a couple heavy weeks the last couple weeks, and this week I just want it to be something practical. And something that you can get your teeth into, you can leave here today and start having fun with. And start building back your relationships. Start getting rid of this lukewarm love. Now I know that a lot of water has gone under the bridge in some of your relationships. And you're at a desperate point. And I'm not saying that you're going to go home and take the love test and, and everything is just going to turn around overnight. But this is a tool that can at least help you to understand how you may have got to where you're at and a tool that could be used to help you to begin to move in the other direction. Father, I pray for our church family here today. and God, I pray for me. I pray for everyone else that, that we really will be people of love. Because if the world doesn't see love, in believers, Christ followers, where are they going to find it? Where are they going to see it? And so, Lord, I just pray that you will help us to, to be excited about what we've learned today and, and motivated and encouraged and given us hope. And, 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 Lord, that we might take these tools and, and use them to build relationships rather than to be satisfied with a relationship that's continuing to get more lukewarm every day. May we do it for your glory. May we do it so that we're not wasting our life. Let us be light in an unloving world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.